Welcome to Discoculia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Discoculia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Discoculia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. This is our podcast for week 49 in 2015 and with us is Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Discoculia Services. She will help us look at the links published this week on discoculiaheadlines.com. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Schroeder. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, let's uh, jump right in. Our first link is to an activity-packed Advent calendar. What's your thoughts on that? Yes, for the people in the Christian faith, this week marks the beginning of the four-week Advent to Christmas. Traditionally, Chris, uh, children get a calendar with little uh, boxes in Every box may be opened on a separate day, and these boxes contain either candy or a little chocolate or a small toy. Mm-hmm. I remember that from the past. Yes. Yeah, well, this calendar, uh, this calendar uh, in the link is online, mm-hmm. and the boxes contain math problems. It's very well done in a simple PowerPoint presentation. And the kids will love clicking uh, on a new activity every day. And throughout the pages, there are uh, little elf puppets that have helpful tips on how to solve the problems. A very nice activity in the run-up to the holidays. And because it's interactive and it explains several concepts nicely visual, it is certainly suitable for uh, for your child who has uh, dyscalculia. Mm-hmm. Well... I guess I would prefer the chocolates anyway, but uh, but that's okay. The uh, the next link goes to uh, bedtime stories for Matt. I thought children liked fairy tales before bedtime, so how about that? Yeah, well, um, this fairly new uh, nonprofit provides daily small math activities or stories to share with your child before bedtime. And the secret is that this is doing math instead of learning math. Right. The story has a math content and includes a math question, but the children are not afraid to tackle it because it's presented with real-life examples, really from the world around them. Mm-hmm. And this will work great to reduce anxiety in math in children. And uh, at the same time, it will lay the foundation for some of the, the important math concepts. Right. They also provide books for sale through their website, uh, but receiving the daily um, math bedtime story is free. And I have recorded uh, pieces of a podcast the founder did with the Washington Tech podcast. Uh, let's listen. At, here at Bedtime Math, we're trying to get parents who don't like math to raise kids who do. And that's why we work so hard to make the math problems and all our content and our after-school math club really playful and lively and fun. And what's exciting is we've had parents write into us saying that when they do the math problem with their kids, this is the first time they're enjoying math. These parents have gone, you know, decades not liking math. And what's happening is that they're finally starting from scratch again with their own kids and seeing that numbers really are fun. It has been shown, and this just came out a couple weeks ago, that one of the biggest determinants of whether kids at age 14 are good at math is whether they view themselves as mathematicians. It's it's called math self-concept. And when kids think they're good at math, all else being equal, they will be more comfortable and do better on the next step. I think it's important for teachers who are, you know, 90% of teachers are female, and it's been shown that 
edu- elementary education majors coming out of college are one of the most math phobic groups of kids coming out of our colleges. They go on and teach. If they're feeling uncomfortable with math, they're going to signal that to the kids. And so the teachers, you know, given that they're female, they're going to have a bigger effect on their girl students than boy students. So I'm not sure exactly what the wording is and what they're saying, but there's a signaling going on where the teachers are expecting the girls kind of to follow in their own footsteps and end up not liking math, and they're not thinking that about the boys. And that's what we have to change. You know, we live 8,800 hours in a year, roughly. Of those 8,800 hours, elementary school kids spend about 1,200 in school. All the rest of it is outside school. And even if you chop out maybe two or 3,000 hours for sleep, that they're still awake outside school about four times as many hours as they are in school. So what goes on outside school, frankly, is far more important. And that's where the parent has a huge impact. You know, a lot of parents feel nervous helping their kids with their math homework starting as early as third grade. And, you know, parents with resources can hire tutors, but even so, they're signaling to their kids that they're uncomfortable and that they're not going to be able to sit and take the time. And then a lot of parents don't have the resources for that, and then the kid is really left uh, floundering. And it's so important in those early years for kids to grasp the fundamentals because really everything else builds from that. That study that showed that one's view of oneself as a mathematician affects kids' ability. Another factor that was shown to play an even bigger role was simply had they made it through fractions. Fractions in fourth grade, that's a real point where a lot of kids fall off the cliff and stop liking math. And that's because studies have shown that Teachers are often uncomfortable with fractions. And, you know, when you're uncomfortable, you have to just say to kids, hey, here are the algorithms. When you add fractions, make sure the bottoms are the same. But when you multiply them, you don't need to. Kids can't just sit and memorize all these rules. They have to really understand what's going on when you add those pieces versus when you're multiplying them or when you're dividing them. And when parents and teachers understand what's going on with that and can really explain, that's what makes a kid math fluent and that's what makes them feel confident. I think the parents are just as much, you know, a part of this as the teachers because kids go home and that's when they're, that's their opportunity to get one-on-one attention. It's not in the classroom. Agree that you can't tell kids they're good at it if they're not, if it, but it's not really a matter of being innately good at it. Again, this gets back to Carol Dweck with the growth mindset. I think it's important to tell kids they can get there. They can do it. So she makes great points about how to encourage kids and keep telling them that they can get there. And also how teaching can be done by teachers who are themselves maybe not too comfortable with math. Oh, yeah, you have that too. Mm -hmm. She emphasizes that you need to really master the math topics before moving on to the next topic and how bad it is that there are lots of children and teachers okay with moving to the next topic when they have only mastered like 70, 75 or 80 percent of the concept. Hmm. The bedtime uh, story is great for kids with dyscalculia although maybe not all stories will fit, but to bring the math question in a safe environment and relate to it, to the real world around us, really helps them get a better understanding of the concept. Now, 
uh, please feel free to download the math bedtime stories and activity book from my uh, Discoculia Services website at the free activities and downloads drop down mm -hmm. button. Okay. Okay, well, that's clear. Um, our, our next link uh, provides us with a confusing alphabet soup. DD, AFD, GD. So, what's the short of yeah, all these yeah, yeah. Uh, abbreviations? That really sounds confusing. But let's clarify. Um, they're talking in this link about the study that was done with children who all had dyscalculia. So, developmental dyscalculia, mm -hmm. not like in later life when you have a stroke or a uh, brain um, brain injury. Okay, so that is the DD. That's the DD. Okay, got that. Well, uh, this group, however, can be split up again in a group with arithmetic fact dyscalculia and general dyscalculia. And the researchers provide prove that the distinction between the various forms of dyscalculia has an impact on how remediation needs to be structured. So this is really a very practical and um, right. important point. So it turns out that children who have general dyscalculia, the GD, have problems both with symbolic, so written numbers, and non-symbolic, real objects, counting. Um, but the group with arithmetic dyscalculia only had problems with symbolic number processing, so with the written numbers. Okay. Children with GD, the general dyscalculia, have an impairment in the innate number approximate system. Whereas children with AFD, so the arithmetic fact dyscalculia, suffer from an axis deficit. So this has implications for what you need to do when you work with them. A very useful piece of research. We're talking to Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Discoculia Services, and we're looking at the links provided during the week on our website discoculiaheadlines.com. The next link is to a TED Talk by someone who seems very, very discoculic. Yes, uh, this test, TED Talk gives great insight in how life is as an adult with discoculia, and how someone can cope and make choices in their life to deal with that learning disability. This speaker in the TED Talk comes from Denmark and shares her little systems on how to keep track of time and other little adjustments she had to make. Yeah, very she, has, she has little solutions for everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very insightful. So very encouraging to listen to. And it both explains what dyscalculia is and it gives hope that there is a way to live happily with dyscalculia as long as you are aware of your condition and do something about it right right yeah yeah generally it's a, it's a positive message well finally the link for friday uh, takes us to a page with various ways to teach uh, multiplication are, are these good methods Yes, uh, these are great hands-on examples of how you can encourage your students and bring math out of the classroom or out of the math book into real life. Personally, I would be careful with the competition type activities in the class mm -hmm. because when one or more students have dyscalculia, it's not recommended to participate in any event that would highlight him or her or put them and their learning disability on the spot. Yeah, right. Most of the activities listed do not call for uh, competition. Mm. So I can only encourage parents to go here and look at some of these resources. If they need some more activities, you can find them in the download section on my webpage too, discoculiaservices.com. 
Well, great. Uh, lots of links with uh, with downloads and resources for parents. So uh, this was a good week. Um, we'll put all the links that we discussed in our show notes on the podcast page at discoculiaheadlines.com. Thank you very much, Dr. Schroeder. And until the next week, Dr. Schroeder is the founder of Discoculia Services. And you can also follow her on Facebook, Pinterest and Twitter. Free downloads and a free Discoculia screener are available on her website, discoculiaservices.com. Discoculia Headlines Weekly is a production from discoculiaheadlines.com. You can find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and we are on Twitter at discoculiahead. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Discoculia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.